0: This is Mike. it is march thirteenth 2020 Friday the thirteenth and uh, we got a good one here today um, i'm going to talk about i'm going to start with coronavirus, which is you know it's a big deal right now, and um we're just going to go down some really strange paths so uh <laughs> hold on this hold on I'll do my best to um, tie it all together so I want to begin with um with the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, I'm familiar with the podcast. Like I know it's like one of the biggest podcasts which is out there. And I've seen parts of it um, before, but I've never actually listened to it. Um, but it's certainly been on my, my radar. Anytime that there is, um, anytime there is something which has a great deal of influence on the consciousness of a large amount of people, you know, that I pay attention to it so right now the the big story is the coronavirus and um you know my personal opinion is you know i'm waiting and seeing if if you've been in this game long enough you've probably gone down a lot of paths where you know you something was sold or you thought was going to be the the uh uh the, the the event and it turns out not to be so i mean um whether that's Comet Ison or whether that's SARS or anything like that, you know, once you've been down that, or 2012, once you've been down that a couple of times, you get to become a little bit suspicious. And um, I followed the work of John Rappaport, um, who does a really, really good job at explaining um, how stories like this can be crafted and created and are... um, and he knows a lot about, about the, um, the issues within the medical industry. And so he can break it down, um, very, very well. And I recommend, uh, as you consume whatever information you take, uh, lots of different perspectives. And I think he offers a great perspective, but anyway, um, you know, that's my thought on this. And, but I did know that this is different, you know, whether or not it's just being like sold differently or, um, or if truly it is different, um, in terms of like, it's, it's, um, its effect on, on human life, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see, but it's different just in the fact that, you know, they're, they're really quarantining places and there's like, you know, there's, this is, the population is responding, um, is responding in a more um, obvious way and in a stronger way than they have in the past so that in itself you know it's different you know you, you know that and we'll wait and see to to what degree but what I found was interesting was two people two friends of mine um, uh, relatively normal you know no, normal thinkers uh, um, mainstream in their thought but but with a, a healthy degree of suspect, I don't think, near, you know, my opinion, not nearly enough uh, uh, suspect of what comes from, from mainstream news sources. But uh, two of my friends uh, whose uh, who's, who's, um, opinions I am interested in and I respect, uh, they both made reference to a recent Joe Rogan podcast where he had an expert on, um, the coronavirus. And I did not anticipate, uh, either one of, of, of these two people to respond the way they did. So I was like, all right, let me go check and see what this thing's about. So that's where we're going to begin this. Um, what's the guy's name? Michael Osterholm. And March 10th was when, when, uh, this podcast was released. And, um, so I guess a little bit about this Ulsterholm guy. Uh I mean I saw I watched I watched um I watched uh um let's see if that's a little bit better. Yeah, there we go. Um I watched probably about twenty five minutes of the interview before I couldn't watch anymore. And I mean, my initial thoughts was this guy's straight out of central casting, you know, he's, he's playing the role he's supposed to play. And, and, you know, in my opinion, Joe Rogan's doing what Joe Rogan's supposed to do. Whether or not these guys realize, um, you know, whether they're in on it, I don't know, you know, whether they're just, um, doing what they naturally do well and are, um, being played by, um, you know, one level up. No, I don't know. But what's certain is this Alsterholm is an insider, you know. Uh two really strong indications is one, he's a member of the Council on Foreign Relations. And you know, you don't get into that without being um without demonstrating your uh your um proficiency in your area of work or of focus, and then also probably that um your beliefs are very much in line with with the beliefs of uh, Council on Foreign Relations. So it doesn't necessarily mean that every single member who is in the Council on Foreign Relations is, you know, a Rockefeller insider, but um, they're certainly uh, being used to propagate those type of um, uh, agendas. Maybe I'll take a step back um, the way which I understand it is uh, how agendas are propagated is there's a hierarchy. There's a hierarchy of these different, um, these different groups. And as you go higher up in that hierarchy, the, the greater the status is and um, the less, less familiar these groups would be. And so probably like towards the top, but not nearly the highest would be like, you know, your Council on Foreign Relations, your Bilderberger Group, um, your Trilateral Commission, all of those sort of things. And then like levels up from that would be um, like the Club of Rome, uh, probably a whole bunch of other groups that, you know, maybe not even have names. But it's uh, these organizations, it kind of like, you know, ideas are seminated down um, and then members of these different groups are leaders within other groups and then within whatever their their industry of choices and this is how information is um is is passed down particularly agenda um you know if if you go back and and you read a lot of the literature that comes from these groups from that perspective and you you listen to the words of of their founders you know it's 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 pretty clear so this guy, um, Osterholm, he's definitely an insider. He's a member of the council on foreign relations, probably was invited to become a member. You know, that's, that would be a huge honor, uh, from a mainstream perspective. So of like, yeah, of course you're going to jump at it. Why would you not? Um, it also says that he has been the recipient of six major research awards from the national institutes of health and, and the the center of disease control. And, um, you know, I I don't know what six I don't know what major research awards are, but you know my guess is like you know it's broken down into categories and major is probably like a lot of money, and you know that's kind of the name of the game, and so you could see like he's 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 part of it, um, and when he talks like you know you just kind of uh, you it's he he's He's charming, he tells some funny stories uh he may have been drunk, I thought he was slurring his speech you know maybe maybe that's just how he speaks but um so he's and he's he speaks with a great degree of authority and there's a there's a real kind of um uh you know he's very sure of himself, he's very sure of himself, and there are a couple of things which he said which just immediately like you know my my red flags um, went up. And so probably the first thing, this is probably like the, the, um, the, the least offensive, I would suppose is like, you know, he's, he's talking about, um, he's talking about the coronavirus and, and just like how everyone should be terrified. I mean, he was going down this list and if you're going to listen to him and you're going to take that, Like completely that this guy knows better than what anyone else knows that, um, he's completely right. You know, you're going to be scared. You're going to freak out. This guy's like, he's sounding really sure of himself, but keep in mind, everyone, everyone from the, uh, uh, the world health organization or the center of disease control that spoke about SARS that spoke about some of these other, like, you know, um, pandemics, which we've been conditioned for, for, you know, decades from movies, um, you know, they sounded really like experts also. So, I mean, time will tell if, uh, if this actually turns out to be the, this debt is deadly as they, they say it is, or is it just the hype and, and the hype is just feeding itself right now? I mean, it's, it's, You got to see i mean unfortunately people dying on your streets like you gotta when you begin to see that it's different than anything else you've ever seen well then yeah you know it's true it's real but if you're just getting your information from the internet there's always the chance that like you know none of it's real but anyway, so going back, so the first thing he says, he's, he's talking about how serious this is, and he, he at, at 19 minutes, 38 seconds, he says, I've got a, you know, he, I've got a lot of experience in this area, and he goes down this long list of all of his credentials about why he, all of this work he's done, and then he goes, and I tell you, there is no evidence whatsoever that this is a bioweapon. Um, says a little bit later he says i don't believe there's any evidence but but what he's saying is he's he's resting on his laurels as an expert you know this is under the logical fallacious um, uh, understanding of of of, of navigating um, fallacies and and and, uh contradictions within um arguments you know this is the classic appeal to authority you know this guy's like you know you should listen to me just because i'm an expert because at no point does he explain why you know what one would look for for evidence of a bioweapon but you know may, uh i'm guilty of that too you know sometimes when i talk about things which i'm very well versed in someone who doesn't really know as much you know who hasn't spent as much time researching as i have you know i <laughs> i've fallen to the appeal of, of to authority on a topic too so i mean it is very possible that you know that's just what has happened but that was the first red flag that um that went up for me and then where is it right here he makes reference in the interview he talks about how he had a book which came out um he said in the interview september 11th 2000 what says here on amazon september 12th so i don't know if it's a slight exaggeration or you know to to make it more of a, a compelling story but um this doesn't exactly add up but regardless he is tying in to the collective consciousness he's tying into their um into their their mind into the listener's subconscious he is tying in you know uh 9-11 to his area of expertise and then you know all the all the things that happen when when you you anchor you connect different ideas so he's tying it into 9-11 and this is where i i'm ultimately going to go to is is um is at minute 20 uh at the 20th minute, 45 seconds, he's talking about about the virus, and he's talking about how, um, you know, just what, it's this perfect storm of viruses. And he says, we couldn't have crafted a virus like this. That is um, That is doing what it is doing. We do not have the creative imagination or skill sets. And so, two things. One is, I don't buy that for a friggin' second. They don't have the creative imagination or skill sets. I mean, that's the entire nature of a lot of these these groups that he's a part that he is a part of. These these World Health Organization groups. If you read his bio, all of these different kind of like medical pandemic think tanks. Their entire. Um, and he also says in 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 the, his interview, he begins his his. His um, professional life within, um, within bioweapons by interviewing Soviet bioweapon scientists in the early 90s. Like the entire nature of what he does is to go and come up with scenarios of what would be the world's greatest uh, uh, created virus. And what he described on this virus really isn't that like crazy. It's not like oh, this virus comes and then your head doubles in size and and raccoons grow out of your ears. You know that would be something which say like we could have never predicted that. No, this is this is like you know this. Of course they predicted this. That's insulting to say that they have not pre- that he could not imagine that. So I mean like that in itself. Like everyone should be like seriously, I don't believe a word you're saying. But then where where the, the the marker of of where he's indicating what what this is linked to he's like we did not have the creative imagination and so that is a very important um marker in our culture in terms of that phrase And so to give an example, like right now, social distancing, like that's a word that or a phrase that just came out of nowhere, like, oh, we got to do social distancing. It's It's a euphemism for quarantine. But I mean, maybe that's been around for a while and now it's like just being introduced and it's new to me But regardless like this is like new to most people. This is this this phrase and it was never like explained It was just used and everyone knew what it was kind of like I don't know like five years ago They started talking about this thing called the polar vortex. There's never a polar vortex before but they just throw it out there And so this phrase, uh, you know or this idea of like not having the creative imagination This comes back to 9-11 remember he already linked in to his story you know with his book he, he says like oh you know my book came out one year before 9-11 the 9 hit and became a bestseller um so he's linking in that he's 9-11 orienting He's counsel on foreign relations he's like you know he's, he's he's in the same circle so I don't buy it for a second that's just just me that's my opinion but uh, this is gonna go to some crazy places but uh, just one more so i want to tie this into where this is nine eleven. so it begins with the nine eleven tie-in um there was a quote by national security advisor condoleezza rice and she said um, on may 16th it was like i don't think anyone could have predicted that that they would try to use an airplane as a missile a hijacked airplane as a missile that's what she said in the press conference and that's Again, that's as ridiculous as him saying, like, I can't imagine that they, um, that they, uh, uh, um, couldn't imagine a virus that's doing what this virus is doing. That's ridiculous. I mean, there's a, there's a famous, um, like, uh. FBI internal document showing like the twin towers with planes crashing into it, like you know from the early '90s. Uh, it's been the plot of movies that 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 hijackers would use planes as. Um, as, as missiles. And, and apparently that's what happened when the crash of, uh, the intentional crash of Egypt air flight 990, which happened at the very end of 1999. I mean, that's a ridiculous statement. And then the, the, uh, um, the conclusion of the, um, the official blue ribbon council to get to the bottom of of what happened on nine eleven was they 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 blamed it again on this failures of imagination and so this word failures of imagination or phrase failures of imagination kind of came into the collective space you know right here this was uh um I don't know this was I think like a guy from Um, Graham I think he was a member of he may have been the chair of the uh, the the 9-11 committee and here it says it's um, where is it mistakes missed opportunities bureaucratic incompetence and neglect lack of imagination you know it's this lack of imagination oh we never could have thought about this Thomas Keane and his fellow panelists cited the failure of imagination this lack of imagination and it all comes back to the statement of Condoleezza Rice and it sounds just like this guy so I mean that's why when 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 i see that you know that's initially what pops in my mind and so it's like ah, yeah, you know it's of course you know it makes sense he's on the biggest podcast and you know we'll wait and see what happens because undoubtedly something is happening um and that's where we're going to get into the second part of this this um this analysis and this is going to be this is going to be the strange stuff this is going to be the weird stuff so um I want to preface this with my own um my own take on reality which is like I don't know I only know what for certain what I can see with my own eyes um what I've experienced with my own with my own skin but even that I can take with a degree of um suspect so I'm, I'm I, I've got a I'm 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 uh, very suspect on a lot of things I'm open to everything but I'm also suspect of everything and so I don't know what's going on I'm interested I'm interested in what's going on but I don't know and so one of the one of the um uh areas which i don't know if it's factual i don't know if it's it's just like cia bullshit i don't know if if it's um if the cia bullshit is the truth you know i don't i don't know but it captures my attention and that's um the realm of timelines timelines um alternative realities uh uh um time travel And it's not so much like I'm a fan of it. It's not like, oh, this is really interesting. This is so cool. It's more so like I just got like this feeling that there's something there to that. Um, My sense is always like, you know, how it's presented to us may not be exactly how it is. But, you know, that's a place to begin to think, research, and so forth. And undoubtedly, the events of 9-11-2001 changed the trajectory of the planet. And if there's such a thing as like alternative timelines and stuff like that, undoubtedly 9/11 is one of these places where like you know something happened. Maybe 2012 is another one of these things, um, but undoubtedly 20 tw- or September 11th is one of those events, one of those time timeline changing trage- trajectory changing events, and now at least I'm seeing this this correlation, this connection between the events of 9-11 and now what's becoming the coronavirus. So again, this is March 13th, Uh, right now, like nothing too major is happening in the United States. I think I just heard like an hour or so ago, the governor of Pennsylvania, the state I am, I live in uh, issued like all schools are closed for two weeks you know i from my perspective we're we're looking at a slippery slope you know what's going to happen i'll tell you you know there's even a possibility that there's this this push for this 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 social distancing and you know maybe that's because everything that needs to happen is happening right now it has to do with people coming together i don't know i don't know but but hear me out because this is going to get strange um So this appears to be, uh, you know, at least in theory, another one of these um, timeline type events. It's being tied to one of those. And right now it looks like it has the potential to be something like that. And whether a timeline event is like, you know, timeline changes or if like now is an opportunity for timelines. I don't know. I'm just open with some ideas. So let's go and let's look at, um, let's go and look at Joe Rogan. Because Joe Rogan is he's worthy he's worthy of um, of a deeper look just by the fact that his show is so immensely influential and popular. And when something like that happens, when you have like a show or or anything that really gets into the consciousness of a lot of people, and I'm going to suggest podcasting is probably one of the most influential forms of media because it's very personal. You're probably listening to it in your car. You're probably listening to headphones. And it feels much more personal than just watching TV. Um, and this guy's like, you know, he's very, very influential. And even more so, like, this guy's got an interesting dynamic, or um, uh, the his the group which would fit into his, his audience is very kind of specialized, probably in like tastes and in age and interests and so forth. So, okay, we're going to go look at Joe Rogan. And, you know, as I said, top podcast, his full name is Joseph James, uh, Rogan and, uh, point out this right now we're going to come to this later so he we went to Newton South High School all right so <clears throat> I remember Joe Rogan from um, the early 90s I'm 48 years old I was in my 20s in the early 90s and I remember the TV show news radio I can't really remember any episodes I've got like flat flashes of memory of like what i think the set looked like but i i I have a very clear memory that i liked it and uh you know side note um that would be the clue for me is like you know is that a real memory or not you know i just have a memory of a memory but you know i have a lot of memories that way i don't know what that means i'm curious how other people remember but anyway so news radio. Um, That's really what introduced Joe Rogan to the collective consciousness. We can see that um, before that he had a, a developmental deal with Disney, which I don't think turned out to be anything. And he did some other small shows, but it was news radio, which really was his introduction point. And I always find like, you know, introduction points are are, um, significant uh, when looking at at a star, at someone who has a great deal of influence and is promoted by um, the system, whether that is, um, you know, mainstream promotion or, or, you know, more like grassroots promotion, which is what what this is positioned as you know who knows maybe it is but um so the first can be either like the very first the the first thing they did or maybe it was the first thing that was their breakout hit it doesn't matter like you go and you look at it this is an art form beginning to understand you know to be able to to really um un, deconstruct deconstruct the narratives of the of the um of the hypnosis you know that's what this is so okay so news radio uh ran for four years and um it was an ensemble cast kind of comedy and another reason why i want to talk about that is is you know the whole premise of news radio was it's talk radio it wasn't you know it was news radio it, and if you think about a podcast, it's basically what a podcast is. So we have this sort of like connection between like, you know, the irony of of, of Joe Rogan beginning in this like kind of, or getting a start, um, really at least making a name, the first real name he made for himself as on the show called um, News Radio. And then when he really became... Um, you know, an international, an international name, like beyond, like, I think he was a host of some, like, uh, like reality TV show. And he was obviously a a star from that, but like his, 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 his reach has gone much, much further now. Um, it was this news radio podcast, if you will. So that in itself is kind of interesting. So, um, here we see the, we can see this picture. This is, um, we got Andy Dick here. We've got Joe Rogan. We've got Phil Hartman for people who remember that. Phil Hartman was on Saturday Night Live. He was the utility player before, um, before Will Ferrell stepped in. Will Ferrell and Phil Hartman was, was killed by his wife. He was killed in cold blood. Um, uh, Andy Dick, he's had, uh, you know, he's had his, his fair share of, of run-ins as well, but there's this character or this actor right here, Stephen Root, which, which we're really going to delve into. So, um, first I want to go point out, so, uh, this thing about, uh, news radio or this description. So news radio takes place in a, um, in a radio station it's 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 meant to be like a, a a real show like a real setting not like a fantasy setting but as we can see right here um plots often involve sat- satirical takes on historical events um you know take away the description of it being um satirical and just like a take on a historical event. Um, that's, that's an alternative timeline. What they're describing is an alternative timeline. So just immediately you know that. Pop culture, references, and news stories. And then we see this, this statement here. The third and fourth seasons um, took the absurdity to the extreme, setting the characters in outer space and aboard the Titanic. So now we're definitely dealing with like timelines. And and just, just stick with me for a little bit because we're gonna you're gonna see how this all ties in pretty, pretty tightly so um we've got joe rogan we've got the strong influence we've got the timeline sort of stuff with like 9 11. we see that he was introduced um through this this program news radio which you know if you really want to get dark you know there was a human sacrifice evolved with it there was at least a, a gruesome murder a sensational gruesome murder associated with it so all right so i talked about Stephen root let's go look at these two characters right here we got the joe rogan character and we got this steven root character um so joe rogan um we see right here that uh uh one he was he was the handyman he was like the bottom of the social uh ladder within this ensemble uh, class ensemble cast going across different classes. That's difficult to say. So you got like a janitor, and then you got this other guy, Stephen Root, who is on the top of the of the class slash um, ladder, and he is the owner of the station. And we see both these guys, they're both like uh, into conspiracy theories. Uh, this Joe Rogan character, or, or Joe Rogan played a character, Joe Gorelli, which was... Um, he was a street smart electrician it says that he was able to um, craft his own supplies That sounds very Jason Bourne like you know if you ask me if you really know your history um, the CIA and radio stations the beginning of, of CBS radio the beginning of ABC radio I mean there's just a very strong overlap between OSS CIA uh, presidents of radio stations so I mean you know, whether that's a nod, nod, wink, wink, I don't know. But, like, these are the elements that are at play here. And we also see, like, there is uh, some joking that this character may have been the Unabomber. Um, and uh, and so we see this in the, the Joe Rogan character. Now we've got the, the Jimmy James character. And it says that um, he is an extroverted, playful billionaire. What's interesting is Joe Rogan's real name is Joseph James. And here it says Jimmy James. It says right here, the name comes from a Beastie Boys song. You know, whether it came from a Beastie Boys song or not. Um, it is bringing specific focus onto the name of the Stephen Root character. Like nowhere else does it talk about like where the name of some other character came from but here there's like you know there's an added element like hey look right here there's something important and then maybe you want to go a little bit deeper into the beastie boys and like you know there's that's there's some interesting stuff going on there as well but um but again here we 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 see like you know there's um more this character has considerable inside knowledge of conspiracies and government cover-ups said to it claims that he's deep throat and that he was even um maybe the Uh, the infamous db cooper so again now we're working with this tv show which kind of has like you know these these timeline time travel sort of instances um maybe maybe not it's you know there's some stuff there i mean that's the whole nature of this what we're calling synchromystic detective work you know we're going through we're looking at it like is there something real here is there not you know how much are we just seeing you know connections which aren't there so you, you always have to have a blind spot when you play this sort of game but we're going to go a little bit deeper now with steven root um steven root is an interesting actor uh i'll put this here for now um He's a, he's a character actor, and he's had a very, very successful Hollywood career, um, and he's, he's played a variety of some interesting characters. And as you've seen in maybe some of the other synchromistic movie watching, there's this, this thread which I try to look for with certain actors and certain types of, of themes within the different characters they play. And so Stephen Root, he plays. He's got a lot of connections with like government agencies and suspect government agencies. I mean, we just heard it with a uh, with news radio. With you know, was he Deep Throat? Was he DB Cooper? You know, all these sort of things. And so um, he played. He was in Idiocracy, which you know is might Mike Judge is something. He's telling. So, he he knows he knows something, and he's been telling people for a while. And then we see that he played um, Chris Kraft, uh, uh, one of the first NASA flight detectors. So now we're dealing with NASA stuff in this movie called um, From Earth to the Moon. And he played Richard Clark in Path to 9/11. Like this guy's done. I mean, he's done a lot of films. Not everything is like this, but he's done quite a few films, which um, which deal with some some interesting government agencies. I'll th- I'll I also find it interesting that he played a Klingon. Um, but the character which I find most interesting is from the movie, uh, um, from the movie, uh, what is it called? Um, the Men Who Stare Goats. And so do I have this on here that it says that he's in here? No, I don't think I cut that out. But this here, Stephen Root as Gus Lacey. This is from the, this piece right here is from the men that stare at Goat's um, Wikipedia page. And if you're not familiar with that book or movie, it's kind of like a semi-fictitional account of the NSA's remote viewing program. And Stephen Root um, plays Gus Lacey, who's based upon two different real life people. One, this guy Savelli, and two, this Lynn Buchanan. So now you go and you look at guy Savelli, Guy Savelli is a martial artist, a teacher, a spiritual healer, he's also special forces, and he's like really involved with like mind sciences and this how do I pronounce that word psychical psychical research um institute of duke University, the parapsychology department of j f k um university i mean that's if, if you know, Joe Rogan, like he's the, he's the a jujitsu black belt. He's an announcer for UFC. He's this martial artist, spiritual healer. He's always talking about like, uh, he first became famous with his talk of, of utilizing, um, uh, different substances to expand consciousness. I mean, this is, this is Joe Rogan. And remember like just a strange connection that, uh, Jimmy James, you know his is or is the name of of the Steven Root character. You got Joe Rogan's real name is Joseph James, and they're telling you pay attention to the dude's name, like that's something. So okay, so we got we we've got we've got Steven Root. He's played all these interesting characters. There's there's this hint. There's something going on. There's something going on, but there's one character in particular I want to bring your awareness to, and this is this is what I've been leading this all up to, and it is um. It is Stephen Root as Hawthorne Abdenson in The Man in the High Castle. And so The Man in the High Castle is this uh, TV miniseries. Where is it? Um, it was made, I think, for HBO. Or no, it says Amazon Studios. Um, and it is an alternative history um, in a parallel universe where the Axis powers win World War II. And this is based upon a Philip K. Dick novel. And so if you know anything about Philip K. Dick, like his books, which he wrote 30, 40, 50 years ago, have been made into movies which have been used in predictive programming more than anyone else. Like Philip K. Dick, however you want to go and explain what or who he is, this guy had his thumb on something. He 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 was accurate. And we know that with the... the uh, With the accuracy of his Blade Runner, with his Minority Report, you know, there there are so many Hollywood films which are based upon Philip K. Dick books. And so this Man in the High Castle is a timeline, alternative, parallel universe sort of story. And that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about 9-11. We're talking about all these sort of things. You know, we're talking about how you would control masses. You know, at least that's what I'm talking about. That's why I'm interested in the individuals, the television shows, the movies that have the greatest impact on the greatest number of people because that's what's, you know, that's what's driving the ship. So we got this man in the high castle, and we've got Stephen Root who literally plays the character that's referred to as the man in the high castle. In the in the actual storyline of the man in the high castle, this is a lesser character. Like it's not like the main character. It's what <clears throat> as a as a like a, a a device for telling a story. He was the most significant, but it's not like he had the most lines. If you know what I mean. And so what this guy did was he produced these movies which were of another timeline and he was kind of the link. That's the point of which was interest of what I'm trying to to emphasize right now is that this character that Steven Root is playing is the link between timelines. So now is where we're going to get kind of interesting in here. So... Let me make this a little bit bigger. This is from like a fandom page of a fandom page of, um, a fandom page of uh, *Man in the High Castle*. And so, within the plot of *The Man in the High Castle*, is this thing called *Die Nebenwelt. And it was, um, the goal was produce was to produce a quantum tunneling device that could artificially replicate the means by which travelers were able to physically cross between alternative worlds. So it's like this thing, like what's, what's interesting about the show is it takes this, uh, these ideas of like, you know, maybe they're fantasy, maybe they're not of like, of how would we cross over into different, um, uh, parallel dimensions and they're they're taking it seriously We're like this is what the devices would be and this is what it would look like whether it's accurate or not is irrelevant what it's doing is it's creating an image in someone's mind so it's less of an abstract and more concrete so okay so let's go a little bit deeper with this so the dot <laughs> the device itself was constructed deep within the Lackawanna coal mine in the Poconos of Pennsylvania in Nazi America so that is the um that is you know that's from the book that's from the movie actually i know that's from the from the tv show i don't know if that's what they use in the book i can't verify that but it seems like the the tv show is pretty accurate fairly accurate uh depiction of what the book was but this this um this lackawanna coal mine so where is it i want to read this what do they talk about okay here it is The site was chosen, so this site was chosen in the Poconos of Pennsylvania. It was chosen not only because of its proximity to a rare anomaly, a particularly thin area in the fabric of reality, which would make it much easier to breach into alternative worlds, but keeping the device underground would... would, partially contained the damage caused if the device were catastrophically malfunctioned okay the point I want to try to make is like it's saying that this location the Lackawanna coal mine in the Poconos in Pennsylvania is the proximity of a rare anomaly which has something to do with the ability to um go to other timelines affect other timelines and so forth And so, yeah, I know I'm talking about, I'm talking about fiction, but what is fiction and what's reality? If you're not asking, if you're not asking this question in a very open-minded way right now, you're not paying attention. So, okay. So what is this Lackawanna coal mine? Well, the Lackawanna coal mine is a real thing. Let's go here. It is in Lackawanna County and right now it's a museum of a retired coal mine located in Scranton, Pennsylvania. And so if you're, you're familiar with any of my other work, particularly about what the hell is going on in Scranton, Pennsylvania, and what I always talk about are one of the first indicators that something's going on in, in, in Scranton, Pennsylvania, not just the fact that Joe Biden's from there and Hillary Clinton's from there and the biggest mafia fa- family is from there and, and and you know, B.F. Skinner is from there and like all this sort of stuff. But um, why is the office there? And now we see that there's this man in the high castle connection as well. And this goes right back to Joe, to Joe friggin' Rogan, and they're linking this event to like the next timeline event. So let's go back to the office. So like the office, I always bring this. Is what I like to bring up all the time is an indicator of of um, of uh, uh, Scranton having to have some degree of significance in the mass cultural mind and we see in season 1 the office you know michael scott literally takes the the office on a field trip to the lackawanna coal mine but here's where we're going to tie it all back in together okay so this is the final loop so we said that uh joe rogan remember we said where did joe rogan joe rogan da, 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 da. joe rogan he um he attended newton high Newton South High School and graduated in 1985. So let's go look at the Newton South High School. You know, it's one of two public high schools in the city of Newton, Massachusetts. Um, You know, the city, it's, you know, it's not, it's not, it's a high school, right? Here's a list of their notable alumni. Uh, I, I think I read that the school was founded in 1960, you know, it's not, it hasn't even been around that long. So let's go look at this, this alumni and we can see like all these interesting people here, you know, you got like this guy, the former provost of Johns Hopkins, this guy here who is major player in the world health organization, this guy here, Nobel prize winner, you know, this person here who was, uh, uh, I, uh, I assume is like one of the first transgender, um, models at new york fashion week but not only did joe rogan go there but we also got bj novak and john krasinski the two guys from the office the two guys from the show which connect directly to scranton pa and scranton pa we know has an anomaly you got to go back and see the videos particularly of the hermetic institute being located there and the uh um and the the massacre on wyoming there's something going on in Scranton, um, seemingly connecting. You know, at least they're, they're telling us. They're pointing that it has to do with an, an anomaly which plays with timelines. And just to let you know, we've got some timeline manipulation stuff going on as we speak. So this is Mike. It's uh, Friday the 13th, 2020. And uh, until the next time.